2024 is all about romance comics lightly i don't, I don't know if i really call any of that romance but it's uh no it can be considered sure, romance. sure, 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 yeah. sure. Yeah, love making comics love they love making <laughs> comics yes welcome to the ex-wife podcast i'm alicia and i'm justin want to say and i'm the making or some kind of nod to the opening of the show like you normally do i'm not sure what you're talking about oh oh excuse me i'm not sure what you're talking about excuse me i'm so wrong i don't know what i was thinking well it's good that you can admit it (laughs) all right well let's get down to what it is we are talking about today and what we do both know that we're talking about today which is our Digi X-Men Unlimited number 122 and our three Tangies. We have Cable number one, The Invincible Iron Man number 14, and X-Men number 30. But first, before it's those things... News? It's the news! News! Okay, so saying it in exact unison wasn't good enough. April solicits have been released. We have covers, information, details, so many epic covers. The X-Men Forever number two cover, though, Hmm? with Kaiju Krakoa entering the fight. You saw that one. I loved that. That was pretty cool. Honestly, the thing that calls out the most attention is who's on the cover. Hmm. The random collection of seemingly previously disparate mutants you've got firestar exodus and jubilee all coming from different titles and or locations this coinciding with i believe one of the final issues of dead x-men so in terms Mm. of release time steve fox continuously has hinted at the connections between his work and kieran's work Ah. and how they had been in communication plus some details that were revealed on the trading card cover Oh, yeah. Maybe I'll get into it another news item. Dun, dun, dun. What? Maybe a spoiler. You didn't mean to be a spoiler. Right, right. More like specifics that I maybe assumed, but now are confirmed. Right. Avengers. You want to talk about solicitations? Avengers are coming in to the podcast. Looks Ooh, like we're an shoot. Avengers podcast no, for a couple times. It's not <laughs> that. We're not an Avengers podcast. Two, two issues of the Avengers will coincide with the fall of the house of x Mm -hmm. they've got the the words on the cover they've got sentinel bits flying orcus goons getting pummeled well good it's about time those avengers helped out welcome to the club (laughs) alicia they've been helping out the whole they've been helping out with this well with this yes yeah that's what i mean that's uh historically a large criticism Mm -hmm. of the avengers well you know i mean they are saving the world and the universe and all of these things but hey, we're being murdered, and you also enjoy several of our community as members of your team. So yeah. maybe, maybe step up. Maybe, maybe just help like, out. Maybe just point out the fact that the giant murder robots are bad. Ooh, I don't know, Cap. Could be cool. Something like that. Data page vindication. Shout out <laughs> to John Auerbach, who mentioned that Kieran called attention to the fact that the digital copy of Rot Pox did not have. The data pages, a a title called data pages, did not have the data pages 
in the issue initially when I first read them. Thank goodness, because otherwise Justin would have been so mad at himself. So how mad. did I possibly miss how this? How did I miss this? But also, how did they miss it? How did they miss this? Those are key components to the narrative. Those yeah. are probably the most weighty data pages that we've had since, like, Hickman days. Yeah, there were some hefty some hefty ones. Seriously, oh, just take a take a breath with that one. Sorry, that was that was intense. Yikes! Black Panther. Okay. We're not going to talk about it because I don't think Alicia read it. The, I did the not. sheer look of shock on her face and kind of like fear, like oh snap, that was kind of that was perpendicular on top of the stack of comics. It's not part of my part of my stack. <laughs> if it's not in line, it's not part. And if it is in line and just kind of like smooshed together in the pile, she might accidentally read it, as <laughs> yeah. has happened before. Right. But Monet, M, Penance, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call her, she's on the cover. She's in the first handful of pages, and then that's it. The narrative is about her father. Oh. And Black Panther, T'Challa, is hunting her father. Oh, dear. Breaking into one of his homes, tripping a silent alarm. Oh, no. Alerting M of their presence. Oh, gosh. They have a pretty epic fight. Black Panther kind of takes her down, but then mm. there's the whole admission of I'm not even trying, T'Challa. <laughs> It was kind of cool. Uh, it, it did not, you know, it, it felt a little underwhelming in terms mm. of on the cover promotion. Similar to that time when Emma was on the cover of that Captain America book. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, she's here. That's definitely true. Right. But it's know. not as integral to the story as yeah. you felt it should be. Yeah. All right. That's fair. But well, you know, I didn't read it, so I, I have nothing to say. <laughs> honestly, I kind of stopped reading it halfway through. I was like, well, okay, I got, I got what I came for. That's fine. Do you have any personal news that you'd I like to share with do. the class? I do. I do. I was, I've been trying this to read. It's funny because we were just talking about what this bit of news before we started recording, but I've been trying to read books more and just integrate that into my life a little bit more. So in the mornings when I do my physical therapy and I have to bike for 30 minutes, I read while I'm biking and then trying to implement reading before bed instead of like scrolling or watching tv before bed which honestly does help me fall asleep so much faster to like tire my brain out that way and not be staring at a screen for like 20 30 minutes before bed and i'm just about to finish my second novel of 2024 and that is really exciting to me ironically i was going to talk about my reading habits as well i finished atomic habits the book that i mentioned i think it was last episode that i was Mm listening to which also sparked a little bit of a (laughs) philosophical debate before we started recording whether or not that counts as reading and i am of the mind that audiobooks certainly do count as reading alicia is not no because you can listen to an audiobook while you're doing tons of other things and though you can read and do some things like i read and bike you could it just doesn't feel in comparison, if you're going to say, like, I consumed or I have processed X number of books, then to include audiobooks in that is one thing. But to sit and read is such a different thing than to listen to. And so to say that you read those books gives you the ability to have such a higher, like, ridiculous advantage versus someone sitting down and reading them. And so maybe it came from a competitive place of like, you're like, oh, well, I've, I'm I'm going to be on my third one and I finished my third book. And I'm like, yeah, but you're listening to them and I'm reading them. Well, I just want to tell you that everybody disagrees with you. Everybody. Everybody that I talk to, all the people that I talk to How personally. How many people have you talked to about Don't this? worry about it. It's all about the reading as a habit 
community and they agree <laughs> that reading listening to audiobooks counts as reading in the same way so like i'm not doing anything strenuous you know in the same way you're you're biking i'm driving when i listen but still like i'm considering the ideas i pause when there's a big thing and think about it reading comprehension is different than audible comprehension reading processing is different than audible processing but it's still you're getting the value of the knowledge imparted and i think that if that's all you have time for it's still just as valid philosophical debates atomic habits that was the first one that i've finished i'm reading the sky vault which is by benjamin percy it's his third of the comet cycle series mm. and it actually got into a really good point where Alicia was reading comics the other day, and I decided, no, while she's doing that, I'm going to read my novel, mm. because that's cool. And then there's a couple other books that I've been dabbling in the starts of. Us nearing the end of the month made me want to finish more of the ones that I had started into to mm -hmm. see, okay, what did January mean to me from a reading standpoint? Also been reading Hellions again, but that doesn't count for <laughs> much of anything other than just That's joy. That's different. I am, I just finished, or the first book I finished was called All the Colors of the Night. And it was, and forgive me because I cannot, the author, Justin, the book is right over there. Tell me who the author is. It's right behind you on the couch. You could just turn and look. Jane Ann Krentz. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's Google told me Jane Ann Krenz. I can see it from here. I now um, realize that was silly. So there's a that is actually a book I got through the TikTok blind date with a book, and it actually is the second book in a three book series, which is interesting because it's similar to the Ben Percy story, where it is three books that live within the same world, but you don't necessarily have to read them in order. I so, read I read book two first of the three. That's interesting. So I will be going back and reading book one and then eventually getting book three of that. But the second book I'm almost done with is the first book in the Unwanted series, which is a series that Justin found in our little library down the street. A little free library. Came home with one book one of five. Apparently and that was like a mistake. Left the others in there. So we had to go on an adventure to rescue the rest of its family the, so that the they could remain together. The frequency that we talk about how we have too many books and not enough storage for books. I come home with one book and I am the bad guy. <laughs> because you left the other. Hey, anyway. Hey, hey, hey. anyway, anyway. Those are the, that's what I'm reading. That's personal news. Anyway, we have a poll. Okay. Three items in that poll. Iron Man, X-Men, Cable, who won the poll? X-Men. X-Men won the poll. What was the percentage of that poll? 54%. Should be higher than that, I think, actually. But I already said it, so I'm sticking to it. 71%. Yeah, I who came knew. in second? Invincible Iron Man. With? 22%. On the nose. Wow. All right. You got it back. You got a bet. Cable come in third with 7%. Pretty good. Pretty good. That tracks. That tracks. All right. We got some general questions. Okay. You Okay. What? There's just something that I've prepared for this week that I'm waiting for you to get to. Is it the top 10? Yeah. I didn't do it. Oh. <laughs> I forgot. I totally forgot. <laughs> totally forgot. I went looking for... The other episode, Bruce, who did not know what episode it was from, I started scanning through stuff, started thinking about it. I know my top three, but they are unchanged from when they used to be. Wow. We'll say them again so I can say my top ten. My top three are Nightcrawler, Magneto, and Storm. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. For my top ten? Because I really want to blow your mind with this one. I'm really excited about it. Uh-oh. Because I got to, like, top 
six. And then I was like, mm, okay, like let's really think about this. And then I got to thinking and one character like popped into my mind. And I was like, am I really putting this character in my top ten? But then I did. So I have magic. Is this, is this in any particular order? Uh, or not just... really. I would say like the top three are, are all kind of – the top a three. group right. with like the four close behind. Tears. Like the four and five, four, five, and six are definitely like, and at times I guess could be interchangeable with the top three, but probably not likely. And then seven, eight, nine, and ten. So tears, like yeah, kind of groupings, yeah, yeah. yeah. So top three: Magic, Kate, Emma. Then next three: Maddie, Laura. Magneto. I'm, I'm mouthing, He's the mouthing names them because I know. Okay, next, who you want to take a guess at who the last four might be? Uh, no, keep no? going because th- this is where the curl curveballs are. Storm. Yeah, given. Rogue. Rogue, sure. Gambit. What? Are you ready? That's for... not even the shocker. No. Tell me. Roberto da Costa. What? <laughs> Who are you? Gambit and Roberto da Costa, I, I can tell you for 100% certainty, were not on your list. Nope. They were nowhere near your nope. list. I don't even have the list in front of me, and I know that that's... Roberto uh, would never have been on my list, but he's on my list now. Watch out, world. Watch out, world. I was really excited about that, and I really wanted to like blow your mind with Roberto, and I was like, he's not bringing it up. He's still not bringing it up. I must disrupt his flow and bring it up. Yeah. All right. So Nightcrawler, Magneto, Storm, top mm-hmm. three. Yep. Wolverine, Rachel Summers. Yep. Emma. Okay. You have four more. Sink. Mm. Cora. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Two more. Warlock. Oh, duh. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Replace Gambit on my list with Warlock. Can't do it. List is already solidified. It's too bad. I'm writing it down. I have one more. Yeah. Forge. Forward. Yeah, okay. no, I feel good about that. I feel, I feel good real about good about that. <laughs> okay, so to the general questions we go. Captain Two Michael wants to know how do we get into the Sabretooth War for people just jumping in for this arc? So we didn't really talk about it last episode. We kind of did. So there's the two mini series that Sabretooth has been a part of mm-hmm. in Krakoa that kind of stem from his early damnation into the pit in House of X and Powers of Ten. So in Hawksbox, he was kind of the fall guy in a murder spree he did do some bad things <laughs> he, that, that's it's interesting because i'm rereading hellions mm-hmm. because of my as greg refers to it my sherpa nature <laughs> with him as i guide him through the krakoan era and he's talking about how excited he was about hellions and i'm like mm-hmm. yeah i'm always excited about hellions let's reread hellions yeah and that is essentially the proof of concept necessary for a character like Sabretooth. Mm-hmm. you have a power and ambition, a desire that does not coexist with the goals of our nation. How do we still allow that to express itself in a positive way? Mm. Which I thought was really interesting. But yeah. So anyway, he, he gets kind of shafted, thrown in the pit. The first miniseries is him escaping the pit, bonding together with this group of other mutants that have been put into the pit. The second one, and what really starts this grouping of saber teeth is focused on these prisons of Orcus. And within one of these prisons is Sabretooth's son, Graydon Creed, Mm -hmm. who's been traveling the multiverse 
killing and decapitating and enslaving versions of his father because he's that tapped he in the head. must have them all. Yeah. And so that's where Victor, our 616 Victor, finds all these other versions of himself, finds the decapitated but control collar versions and creates this kind of mob mentality of himself. That's mm -hmm. where the, the saber teeth come from. Everything to do with the birthday is just the tense relationship between Sabretooth and Wolverine and what has not been seen of that relationship in the four to five years of Krakoa. Basically, we need to fill ourselves up with Sabretooth v. Wolverine violence, and so we're going to get a whole mini-series about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A couple people, a couple people, both messaged and sent in questions saying that they agreed with you and not wanting Krakoa to be erased. And I just want to say, like, absolutely. <laughs> I don't want Krakoa to be erased. Don't at me. I just don't think that that is actually what's going to happen. That's what I was saying. No, I do not want the character stories that have been read. I feel like that would absolutely be a slap in the face to me as the reader who has invested time, emotional energy, and money into these stories over yes, the last four to five yes. years. I don't want that. I just don't think that that's actually what they're going to do. Bruce 33 said, Alicia's thoughts on losing what was built in the Krakoan era perfectly captured my feelings. I teared up. If they erase most of the character development and bonds... I might step away from the X-Books a little. Ooh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely... A couple other people saying similar things. It's really yeah. like, for me now that I've had a little bit more time away from it, a little bit more time to process it, I guess it's just like the even the thought of it being brought up sure. is, is like... Triggering. Triggering. And it's like, don't even mess with that as an, as an idea, you know? But I understand why it is part of the story, it, you know... You, when you were like, if you were in that position, what else would you do? Like, I couldn't in that moment come up with a good answer. Mm -hmm. And so I understand why it's there. But it's – and I think that's also part of what makes being a fan so cool is that you can be sent into a spiral, uh, a downward spiral by, you know, one page of a comic because yep. you're so invested in the stories. Absolutely. So, I, I'm just glad to know that I could, you know, be a relatable source of pain <laughs> for yeah. some of you. And Ske that you were also going through what I was going through. Sketchy X-Men Legends agrees with Alicia. Please don't reset Moira. Please keep all the important growth. Again, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I agree. I just don't think it's actually going to happen. I don't think Kieran is not the guy that's going to say, hey, here's the thing we're going to do, the thing that you thought that we might do. Right. And then just let the, like, he's the guy that's got plans on plans and counter plans. And... Right. Kid Wolf, PJ, has been rummaging through the socials, and I wouldn't throw out the idea of Marvel rebooting 616. Just to be very clear, I hate that idea. Since <laughs> Kevin Feige is COO, and the biggest thing is course correction for the MCU, and setting the mutants back to civil rights at a school is a lot more Disney-friendly than most of what Krakoa's been. Also, Alicia, I'm so with you as a Krakoan-era reader seeing the fear of a reboot because when you reboot anything you can rewrite it and erase so much people are still mad at dc when they did it and there's some other back and forth i was just remembering it now i was talking with comic extracts on instagram about how the white hot room and there was someone else i didn't write their name down i apologize but they had messaged us with a similar theory the white hot room being outside of time and space would those mutants still remember mm. what was the history 
if anything were to change in the timeline. Yeah, let me just get like real sassy for a second. And I do not give a hoot and holler if those bees remember it because my characters won't because they're (laughs) outside of the White Hot Room. Sure. So there's that. But also that's like you can get them back. Okay. So many thoughts through my head after what was just said so one you can get them back to a place that feels like a tangible start for the mcu without erasing what happens you can still tell something in the story that sets them back to this status quo of like where they're in placement or that they don't have their own nation or all of those things that's one and then shoot what was the other thing i was gonna say oh and then two like i don't know if y'all have seen echo but i don't think we need to worry too much about marvel things being disney friendly sure yeah i mean (laughs) honestly we were watching we haven't finished it yet we think we have one or two more episodes left there was the i don't want to give spoilers but there was an episode where the violence was there essentially for violence sake kind of the conversation that we're talking about with Sabretooth mm. War and it just it didn't really feel earned and or like weighty it was just I don't know it just felt like uh, I felt uncomfortable I don't know if that I don't know if I didn't feel like it was earned if it was very uh appropriate for the character who was doing the violence sure it just felt out of nowhere and, and big but it felt to me very much like the Netflix shows and like they were saying hey we're kind of going into that like gritty we're gonna just ruin your lives with violence but so that was that was the thing that made me react in that way because i did not while there is comparable violence in the netflix shows i did not feel a similar way to when i had been watching those Mm. that's all i wanted to say yeah no that's interesting because i but i just just to wrap that up and and say something is that i think that I didn't necessarily always feel that way in the Netflix shows, but I think that the reason I felt uncomfortable was because that particular character's fuse is so short and that makes me uncomfortable. And I feel like it was meant to make you feel like this person is unhinged and that's where the discomfort came from. Yeah. You know, that's a, this isn't, this isn't a MCU podcast. MCU podcast. So we can move on. Speaking about discomfort. Oh. Warline calling it Sex Men Week for the win. <laughs> which, yeah, that's funny. We've got to figure out how many X-Men fans have gone to horny jail this week. Oh, gosh. Because of all the things that have happened. Yeah. Are you ready for X-Men Unlimited? Yeah. What's that hesitation, trepidation? It's just that... The fight? I just really enjoyed this story, the first issue, and... The second issue, I'm just feeling a little bit confused about, like, so who are fight. they fighting? Is this person associated with Orcus? They're not associated with Orcus. Are they a distraction for Orcus? Like, that it part. just it's that felt one. very out of left field to me. Seems like they are not really working. So, Cruel versus the Proud Star Boys with Danny Moonstar mm-hmm. involved. And they, Cruel, seemed to be a distraction to keep everyone busy while Orcus and an unnamed force which i don't know if we get a name of by the end is helping to capture some of the other mutants that were on the reservation Mm -hmm. which sets off our team on a rescue mission i mean it it was epic action it was a pretty intense fight yes it was but i would say that i did not enjoy that issue as much as i enjoyed the previous issue i mean they all can't be like you know Yeah, I'm just telling you my feelings. That's great. I'm just telling you mine. X-Corps Unlimited 
is our, our tease for the next issue, which I'm curious as to what that means. Mm. I, the, the bulk, it was the, the, the battle. Right. The bulk of the issue was the battle, and I was... Yeah, yeah, the biting, biting of the, the face. face and the yeah, it was a very gnarly battle. I'll give them that. And and the, I love the... the Proud Star boys held their own and really kicked some butt. But I just, I think I was so hung up on the fact that I was so confused about how it was like, oh, the direction of like where this person was coming from and what their motives for it were for. Because also, Cruel was like denying Any Orcus yeah. and like so I. I got lost in my confusion there a little bit. Sure. But the fact that John comes out of the fire with Cruel's mm-hmm. little dangling mace ball of the hair piece. Yes. And he's ready to fight back and get back every single one of our people. And once they're free, I get round two. Mm. Written by Steve Fox and Steve Orlando. Art by Nick Roche. Colors, Yen Nitro. Letters, Travis Lanham. This is Travis Lanham. So I didn't feel as, as invested or interested in this. No, but I mean, it's, I'll give it, I'll, obviously I'm sticking with it. Right. You think about how, I talk about this with some people at the comic shop, you know, the idea of an issue is to move one idea forward, mm-hmm. right? So that first one introduced the problem. The second one was about this fight. It was right. about this fight and the deeper problem of what happened in behind the scenes during the first issue and or now. What the third one is, I mean, we're going... Maybe we'll get the villain's perspective. Maybe we'll find out who this other person is. Mm, maybe. Tune in next time. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Cable number one. Cable number one. This cover is kind of wild. I like this cover. Yeah. I like the uh, texture of the background and the explosions a it, lot. It's very unique in that sense. The the texture, the kind of, I don't know, chaotic or... Yeah, little, little... kinetic. Sure. Yeah, it's cool. Here we go. Page turn noise. Right to a title page. Cable. United We Fall. Written by Fabian Cieza. Art by Scott Eaton. Inks Cam Smith with Victor Nava. Colors Java Tartagula. Letters Joe Sabino. He sees Joe Sabino. Cover Wills Partacio and Alex Sinclair. We are sneaking up on a sentinel. Mm -hmm. Cable's got monologues internal monologues just like wolverine it's the solo series that's what you can and you can do a trojan horse on a sentinel but you can only do it one time i think that that's really good Mm -hmm. to especially to connect to nimrod right right nimrod you can really only defeat nimrod or attack nimrod the same way once because he's learning he's adapting in the same way that they are and they're on this shared network that is bringing all that knowledge to one place right it's just I, I like Cable's voiceover narration because it's fun, but also very different from others with his future knowledge, mm. with just all that he brings as a character. I also really like Fabian Nicieza's voice for this character. Yes. I feel like he captures him in a way that otherwise doesn't really resonate. Also, just a shout out the art, like this looming, this looming sentinel with the, the shadowed face and the glowing eyes as he's staring down Cable. I don't know. There's some really cool shots here. Oh, yeah. The art is great. Here's my question. Mm-hmm. Who's, who hired these Orcus agents? Because they just ran right away. Like, by the time Cable gets there, he's like, so you guys can fight me or I could kill you what a, and I could kill you or you could leave. I mean, it was a, it was an employment drive at your local bigotry farm where <laughs> people were just like, yeah, I hate 
everything. Let me sign up. Give me a gun. Just really surprised to see them just flee and run and just be like, all right, that's fine. He's he's breached this. The I mean, hanger. I mean, I mean, do you think Orcus probably knows about Cable, right? They have files about Cable. They have shared information about Cable. He's a scary dude, especially with that gun coming through the door. Right. I signed up for benefits and minimum wage. I'm not trying to die. Yeah. So he's here. He's he is searching for Babel. Yep, searching for Babel, trying to break into Orcus's base with his AI bell. I think that that's interesting to point mm-hmm. out, right? We are using tech. We are infused with AI, breaking into their data as he finds where Babel is. The work that Orcus has done on him, trying to get into the knowledge of the future and his tech, his ability to use the techno-organic virus. Mm. I would just like to um, own up to the fact that I do not understand the joke about the barge. I don't get it. And uh, I feel (laughs) sort of embarrassed that I don't get it. The barge being damaged just like he is? He says, this barge is no more damaged than i am maybe that was a poor analogy and i was like i don't i'm confused i don't know that's a joke i don't know if that's kind of like trying to fly under the radar because it's not a high-tech facility so you wouldn't suspect that that would be where they are keeping a important hostage i don't okay all right i just wanted to say like i didn't even get i didn't get the analogy i wasn't sure if it was supposed to be funny and i was like well maybe justin will understand all i understand is that we see babel in his little tube as Cable saves him. I do like how on the title page they try to do a little Nate versus Nathan, mm. but then they muddle it in the text boxes. They're like, this Nate is mm. also Nathan, and we're the same person, yeah. but we're different ages, but we're both old from the future. Right. We save Babel. We go back. Yeah, that's what they need. They need Babel. Yeah, they need to call him Babel. Uh, Vaderino pointed out... It's, another name on the internet, but Comcast versus Cable, right? (laughs) Also a great option. Yes. So they're at Cable's Hell's Kitchen safe house. This impatient kid slowly revealing information from the old man as the neocracy, neocracy, a future threat that Bay doesn't even know about. Not Bay like Doug's wife, but Babel. (laughs) Like that's not short enough for me to just conversationally say. Yeah, you got to say Babel. You can't be throwing Bay in there. Neocracy? Neocracy? Yeah, neocracy. Yeah. Neocracy? Because it's not necracy. No. Which it was at first in my brain. No. And then I realized that's not the order the letters go in, Alicia. No, and it's not like the Neo, which is another threat in X-Men history. Mm -hmm. So, interesting. We'll see. We're going to Union Square. To meet Irene Merriweather, who is a classic Cable side character, bringing back Irene, which I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Cool. A lot of people were excited to see her back in books. Tracking to identify a graffiti tag artist. Right. And we get this little, like, Scooby-Doo chase situation yeah. where we're going to figure it all out. And I love that, like, you guys can't go to the police station in your outfits. But, like, it's cool if you don't really cover up your identical metal arms. Like, yeah. Yeah. no no stress there. Why, but, like, 
why does this 15-year-old have gray hair and look just <laughs> like this 50-year-old man? I'm confused. But they go to the police station, which takes them to the graffiti artist, which takes them to a woman in a taxi cab who gives them some more information They're about following the who, who's, who is the big brains behind hiring some graffiti artist to and why. Sp- to spread the word of the neocracy, to, to kind of... Do a social media viral campaign. I thought it was so interesting to be like, we're going to start with the street graffiti so that it's subtly out there. And yeah. then the graffiti will go viral because this particular artist has so many followers. And then it'll bring on that way that like it's so cool. And that is terrifying to know that that is probably a tactic that people sure. use in the real world. It moves management of idea dissemination, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's similar to what the Children of the Vault were doing. Yeah. How do you... Take an idea and make it contagious in some way. You're seeding it in the background. Mm-hmm. Joxy is our, our tag artist who has been spreading neocracy. But it's time for some lunch and a story about who the neocracy are. As Cable tells Babel about this future, I don't know. I don't know if that would call them a society or <sighs> they're like an amalgamation of everything. They've taken DNA from all sorts of things and have basically become just living energy. They're just a dominion. They're just another dominion. Essentially, yeah. I'd say analogous too, but with separate forms, but no individuality. They're like the brood if the brood had a dominion. Mm -hmm. Because they're kind of more tech-enabled than most others. Yeah. So we identify parvenu industries and that's the big scary one that we need to break into. Yeah, we need to go take them down, but you know, there's... I love this shot of the two of them. Yeah. The guns, the readiness, the charging in energy. And we're finding out through this that it's not they're 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 doing something similar to Orcus. They're experimenting with mutant DNA and they've got glob, they've got slack, they've got random, and they they have these weird goo minions that right. can attack them. The, the cable fan. They seem like early members of what would become the mm-hmm. neocracy that cable knows of, has not ever met, has not ever actually encountered, but has seen futures where this happens. Right. Knows that it's a possible future and we must eliminate the threat before it's too late. They get away from these energy beings and Bell's directory leads them to the genetic mapping lab. They have medical records of a variety of heroes and villains, mutant and otherwise. They're on M-Day, which I think is a fun nod. Yes. Right? M-Day being Scarlet yes, Witch, no yes. more mutants. But they're on the letter M. Ah. Mesmero, Magneto, Man-Thing, Mastermind, Mr. Fantastic, Morbius, that is a, Medusa. That is a wild collection of data to have. Indeed. Powers, intelligence, energy. Mm-hmm. As we come face to face with Dr. Paul Pierre Duval, who reveals himself to be the Grey Gargoyle, who was on the cover of issue two. So I, I did know that this was coming. Forgot about it as I was reading it. I don't know too much about the Grey Gargoyle. He is historically an Iron Man villain. Oh, interesting. Grey Gargoyle is our Krakoan. What do you think about this? Overall, I felt kind of meh. About the issue. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, as an issue, I enjoyed it. I thought there were moments of humor. I like seeing the two versions of Cable wrestling with the idea that they ever were or could be become that guy. But it feels a little odd to me as a story type. 
Why are we having a side story about a group that basically just sucks us all into a void to be a giant computer brain with goop bodies when we're fighting a villain whose subset of robots' mission is to do basically the same thing to everybody by sucking them into a dominion? It just feels too similar to be a side quest. I'm also wondering how this ties into where Cable left off with Bishop. It feels like it's sort of setting it up that he just showed up out of time right now to save Babel and he wasn't previously with Bishop. I know that we don't necessarily have to connect to that, but in the overall story for him to say, hey, Babel, for Cable to say to Babel, we need to put a pause on the Orcus mission because we need to go take care of this this villain, which feels very similar, like they're also experimenting with mutant DNA, which I know every villain in the world is experimenting with mutant DNA, but like just the idea of absorbing everybody's knowledge into one mind to create this, this future society feels very similar to what's happening with Dominion and Orcus, that I wish that there was a different, just a different thread, but so that kind of hit struck me as odd. But if I take all of that away and I look at just the issue, I thought the issue was good. I really enjoyed it. I thought the art was really great. The dynamics of the characters were great. So I, I feel similar, right? There's the conflict of, okay, as a solo or a duo, I guess it's still a solo because they're both the same guy, right? Right. I liked this as a solo. As a solo under the banner of the fall of the House of X, I was like, what are we doing here? Right? It mm. was fun. I like the dynamics of the cables. It really helps to distinguish their differences because of their attitudes, because of their personality. It's grounded in the Orcus conflict in this first issue and then seems to take a wild detour into this threat, which is fine if you're here just for a cable story. But it's kind of a bummer if you're here for a Fall of X story Mm. that connects to this larger narrative. Who knows? We'll see. The art is great. I like Scott Eaton's work. It looks somewhat similar to the artist from Children of the Vault, which I think is a great through line for Cable's story. The neocracy as a threat is a very interesting combination of everything to create this next, next step in post-humanity. It feels like if the Children of the Vault were able to do what they wanted to do, this is maybe where they would end up. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I didn't really think about it. Of, But basically I'm saying the same thing. is like right. if it didn't say the fall of the House of right. X, I'd be like, this is a great issue. But it great feels like story. Why, why are we going so far away from... Which is kind of an interesting segue to... So shout out to our, our new patrons because oh, we had yes. a couple of new patrons. And I just love having more people about that community and in that conversation. I feel like we had some really engaging first couple episodes of 2024 we've shifted what the focus is of our patreon episodes where we're tackling more conversational ideas Mm. uh one of them bpc big picture concepts yeah 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 that's that's the (laughs) the tag currently and we were talking about the the differences in approach and dynamic from fathox and rothpox Mm -hmm. and one of the things and it's hinted at in steven's question is that i was thinking about for this week is this idea of solo side stories and their relevance to the line yeah what and and kind of like how do you differentiate is this Stephen calls it a cash grab and is it a cash grab mm. or is it is it something that for cable fans to to check out and to read so I, right I, yeah and it's we talk like, it's about all that. of the above almost right and we've, we've talked about that a handful of times i don't want to get too into it because then because that's goes what we're going to talk about on the patreon <laughs> but that's just kind of like where my mind went with that yeah Edward III thought Cable was surprisingly enjoyable, but refresh my memory, when did Kid Cable return? And so 
An issue of X-Men, recent one, right before the gala, he was trying to break in and stop the gala from happening and was caught by Nimrod, Omega Sentinel, and Moira. Oh, right. I had done on our Tuesday to get you ready for Wednesday posts, I had done a little screen grab of that issue, but just the one page where they're capturing, mm. removing the arm and putting him on ice. And Stasis actually doesn't feel comfortable keeping a cable alive with them. Yeah. But the robots know that if you kill this cable, that it will send ripple effects right. into the world, which was interesting. Your cables have their own time travel rules. But that question made me think, like, who do you think is in charge of the AI alliance? Like, it seems like equal parts. It also seems like they, they do, between those three, Moira, Nimrod, Omega Sentinel. I think Omega Sentinel right? is definitely, like, the Calling head the of the group. And then... She's Nimrod's the... the number two, and Moira's the number three, and wants to be the number one. Right. <laughs> I feel like Omega was not anticipating Moira, Moira to Yeah. Join. I think, like, Nimrod is like, yeah, we have someone else. And Omega Sentinel's like, I hate that person. Right. She's part of the reason she, I'm here. She's like, the reason I'm here, right. Yeah. She's the past knowledge, Omega's the future knowledge, and Nimrod's the muscle that brings everyone yeah. down, essentially. Yeah. Vaderino didn't expect to enjoy this, but he did. Cable and Comcast make a great buddy cop <laughs> pair. They have this weird sibling vibe that's fun to think about. And I think that that's cool. It's it's interesting that look at Sabretooth and the number of versions of Sabretooth. Mm. Look at X-Force with Beast and Wolverine, the number of versions of themselves. Yeah. you know the, Something that was so taboo early on in the Krakoan era seems to have gotten a little out of control here at the end. This idea of multiples of one character and teaming up with yourself. I think it's also interesting because Babel, you know, has to learn or has to grapple with the fact that Cable is himself and is older. And so he doesn't really want to take advice from Cable because he's like, I can figure my own stuff out. And like, maybe when I'm an old man like you, I won't be such a dummy. But at the same time, he deep down knows that like that Cable has gone through all the things he's gone through and right, more. Right, right. And that he should be listening to him. And it's like crazy that you're a person coming from the future to go back in time but then your future is also teaching you hmm. while in your past yeah like, yeah that's a brain explosion sure. that's cable baby <laughs> the positive fan loved cable so good to have niciesa writing the character again and i agree with that 100 mm. percent. i feel like the voice that fabian has for this character is so spot on and he has been called has been referred to as the one who has written cable's voice the longest the most yeah he, he really in the 90s helped to flesh out the confusion that was cable but also add more to yes. that confusion and because that's, that's how you do a cable yeah. i feel like i agree that the storytelling is really great in the character voices and and all of that it's just i just the plot is where little, it fits in the yeah. Fall of X is where I'm questioning it. But also, it's only issue one. So you don't know. Like, right. things could could unfold in surprising ways. Darren is just a teacher is here for all the Cable v. Babel banter. <laughs> first of all, love the people are Cable v. Babel. Like, to just have that as the distinguisher. To yeah. know this is how you track these two characters yeah. at once because they're the same guy. And the banter was probably the most joyful part of the issue. Mm -hmm. Is just... Babel being this teenager that just doesn't want to, uh, dad, this yeah. is, this is boring. This is, we're going about this the wrong way. Bring out the guns. Yeah. Brewster 33 is the first on the other side. Was looking forward to Cable, but kind of had to drag myself through it. We'll give it one more issue at least. Mm. I think it's interesting, right? 
not sure if there was something that you didn't connect with or what was maybe it was similar to what you're talking about is like where does this fit in what does this relate yeah how to? does this feel like a, a part of the whole which is what Stephen Bednaz was talking about. If Cable is actually going to have anything to do with the finale of Krakoa with mm-hmm. some melty face emojis. Ooh, and I think bleh. that's an interesting <laughs> distinction, yeah. right? Warline thought it was good to see Irene again. Babel wanting to avenge his mom and dad is really cute. The premise of getting rid of DNA differences is cool to explore, especially as it goes further into something with great potential, which is the idea of... Moira in Inferno as a way to end discrimination and how it really can't work like that. I was a fan of that idea in Inferno as it just felt like Moira looking for a way to have everything, everyone survive, but sadly that was thrown out the window and and she actually... So the idea that if no one had a mutant gene, then no one would have Mm. prejudice against mutants, but it would also eliminate this portion of their identity and their potential as a a race, which I think is... Like, if everyone was cookie cutter and the same, then no one has anything to... Say anything bad against... say anything bad about is not the greatest mindset to have. Right, 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 right. Uniqueness is very important for society to thrive. That was cool. I, I feel good about Cable and I'm excited about what's next. Yeah, I definitely... I have some confusion about it as a whole in the line, but I am interested in where it goes from here and I'm enjoying it overall. Agreed. Agreed. Time for some big brain energy. Invincible Iron Man number 14. This cover is really that statement, right? You have some of the biggest minds. Forge is here just by his mutant power Mm -hmm. because he doesn't understand. I love the exchange between Forge and Riri at the end of last issue. Where he's like, I don't know how I made it. I just made it. I'm just forged. People hate that. Engineers especially. I just, I see it in my mind and and I make it. that's my mutant power. It becomes into existence. Yeah. Explain your process. I can't. Can't. Sorry. Here we go. Page turn noise. Flashback nightmare. I think it's interesting that Tony is dreaming of Magneto killing him when we're supposed to have Magneto come back on our side and the way that he's reflecting on this in his voiceover because obviously he's written this story from the future and so it kind of gives me these weird vibes is like this some sort of premonition that after Magneto saves everyone from Orcus he's gonna go full homo superior on them all and turn against the Avengers and everyone who's not a mutant and just like not mad about going back to like and that's how they get back to their hated and fear status. Sure, and that's sure. how Magneto gets back to being like the greatest villain of against the X-Men. Because he just is like, it doesn't matter that you guys helped us. We could kill you all because mutants only. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, it's interesting that he's Iron Man in his dreams. Mm. And this was an interesting conversation between Warline and I. He brought up how this compares to Bruce being the mask and Batman being the identity, which started... Us talking about the psychology of superheroes and this split identity, which I thought was really interesting. This uh, the fact that they've been this character for so long and removed themselves from who they were beforehand and mm-hmm. have become essentially this icon rather than the person right. underneath the mask. Right. Yeah. Wake up consultation. Hey, we've got cons- he's got countermeasures for Magneto now being used. On the Sentinels, and Emma is here to help you forget all of your troubles. Yes. Oh my God. When she 
dropped that robe and she said, I know more than one way to make a man forget his troubles. I I know you heard me because I was like downstairs and you were upstairs and I was reading and I went, Emma. Yeah. But really like, Emma, Emma, Emma. Okay, girl, get it. I'm not mad about it. Yeah, Let's right. just get over that, please. I did gasp a little <laughs> and I was expecting, I wasn't expecting it to get like quite so spicy in the next few pages. I was, because you know, you have that moment and then you have the, yeah, the they- advertisement. So I thought we were going to like leave it to our imaginations. No, no. We have three more pages <laughs> three of more them pages. sealing the deal. And hey, we have consummated our marriage. Yeah. And you know what? I, I Like I said, I'm not mad about it because at this point, I believe at this point, I'm fully for that the struggles that they've gone through, like leading them to fall in love. And I think like they could take down the whole world and I'm great about it. Like that, right. I just want to be clear about that. It seems like she's still playing some reserve in the chest that like the the jokes that she's saying in the, in the very brief amount of dialogue that we're getting mm. in this scene about how I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be all right. I don't know about you though. You, yeah. Uh, well, I think she knows that he fell faster than she did in that she always has her guard up. Sure. Um, You know, like when we, if you think back to the issue of immortal and the idea of her sleeping in diamond yeah, form, yeah. like she's a lot that she needs to work through as far as like trust. And so I think the idea that, her she's starting to be vulnerable around tony and they're starting to have this deeper connection but it's going to take her a long time to trust to trust that fully i think which brings us to our title page the invincible iron man here be mandarin rings written by jerry duggan Guest artist Andrea DeVito, colors Brian Valenza, letters Joe Caramagna. This is Joe Caramagna. Kale New on that cover. I really like Andrea DeVito as an artist. Yeah. They have come in to a number of series, and I wonder, like, hey, when are they on a series? When for are themselves? they getting their own book? Right, because right, uh, they're great. Yeah, they are. So okay. We go out into space. We okay. go back into Here, space. Here's what I have to say. The Ten Rings side quest of it all. Doesn't feel I like it fits. I feel like this is something that is important for people who are Riri fans. But I'm not going to pretend that I'm going to understand all of it. That I need to know any of it. That it's just like she has these rings. This but you know, You know space, what the Ten Rings are right, conceptually. Yeah. Like right? this space demon is saying like, hey, the Ten Rings, not great. They've got all these evil ghosts attached to them. Like you probably shouldn't be wielding them. Right. And, you know, Forge is basically saying, listen to this dude. He knows what he's talking about. And yeah. as we see, as the issue progresses, Riri decides the rings are not the best for her. But yeah, he comes in. He's like, hey, rings bad. Love space dragon. Okay, yeah. toodles. Yeah. And then doesn't is not as destructive as he seemed to be at right, the end of last right. issue. He's just here for an emotional encouragement to do the right thing as the, the end panel of that exchange. Uh, what is Riri doing out here? I'm here to build a ship out of Mysterium. Ever hear of it? Are are you doing a bit? Like, of course I know what Mysterium <laughs> yeah. is. Why do you know what Mysterium yeah. is? Are you doing a bit? I loved it. Uh. Yeah, so, and, and to your point about the rings and even just the bulk of this issue being about these two building these ships, mm-hmm. it feels, I don't know if it's like out of the main narrative or it feels like as like the, the B plot to this story or one of the B plots because you even have Rhodey and what he's going through in prison as another yeah. plot. But a lot of people are calling it rushed, and I don't know if this feels rushed. Like, we've been talking about this as the potential for a handful of issues, the fact that this is what they've mm. been 
trying to get the Mysterium 4. They did, you know, they hand-waved some time to get the machines built, but did you really want to see them sitting around building yeah, machines? Yeah, like for, for months of time. Right. I, I also feel like we get there, you know, the the biggest takeaways for me are that you think that the, the dwarves are on their side because they're there to help them, let them use their facility. Ooh, they have yeah. their questions about like, how are you, how doing, you that? doing that? And then they see them do it and then they decide, they decide oh, we're going to turn on you. So I think that's interesting to note that there are entities in space and in the universe that are envious of the Mysterium because that could be a future plot thread. But the biggest thing that we need to know is that these ships are made, that they're being sent to Arako, and that they then will be sent to Earth and that we want Orcus to know about it. So yeah. we had to see the production of them. We had to know that this happened, but I don't feel like it was rushed because I personally didn't need or want more. to see more right. of this process. Yeah, it was interesting because I think th this Mysterium and the idea that only Riri Forge and Iron Man know how to forge with it, to mm -hmm. know how to actually work with it. Because even the dwarves, these dwarves that live their lives as forgers, cannot use it in this way. And yeah. they're not sharing that information. I love this moment of the automatic defense leg, the, oh. the fight between. <laughs> Forge and Zlusk as he's betraying their deal and attacking and the leg actually has studied all of the martial arts, all of the defensive skills of many of the top fighters on earth and has a mind of its own. This leg's just gonna Forge. do what it's gonna do and you're gonna have to be okay with it. Riri goes to essentially take these dwarves and send them to the void and this anger on her face in this panel mm -hmm. with the, this as Forge essentially talks her off the ledge, like, hey, if you won't listen to that alien Falker guy, then listen to guys like Stark and myself, that this kind of energy is going to, you're too right. young to do this. Right. You are going to corrupt yourself in a way. Do you know who Falkor is? No. Never ending story. Oh. Alien Falkor. So he's just saying metaphorically, and that's why I don't the- I think the I thing, remember that that was that thing's name from the Never Ending right? Story, he's the but giant that makes white, so much sense. Yeah, yeah. Right. I know exactly, like as soon as you said it, I knew exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why- for just like when you ever have some free time, you can catch up on the never ending story. Yeah. It doesn't actually name it by yeah. its, its property name. And so in this, this is where we get sort of, I don't know if it's the conclusion of the 10 rings, but we're going to send them off into the space, into the universe in all different directions. So yeah. they can't be joined together, but their powers can be what they be for maybe someone who finds one of them. And that's great. I love this exchange between the two of them. Just the fact that, Forge is this wise, I've I've been through temptation like this mm. before. I've seen what it can do to people. And the moment of Riri saying that she kept them to study them, right. wanted to learn about them, didn't learn anything about anything. And Forge was like, you didn't even learn anything about yourself. And then she does that little the, smirk. The zoom in on the smirk. Yeah, it was yeah. so good. And then we get this moment of, you know, now we know that we are sending these ships to Arako and that we have Firestar on the inside and she's going to these ships let them be known these yeah. ships build a giant Iron Man right well like, they look have at, to look at the difference I mean that's all that's look all. at that one is the body yeah. those two are the arms that's those all two he are knows the legs. Right, right? like obviously we gotta build a giant mech to fight the other mechs right right of course and 
I think that it's really cool that we're finding ways that we're using Firestar to our advantage and we're getting to see how she's playing both sides and we're going to get more of that in the next issue. And I like that it's getting dicey for her. Yeah. Um, Just makes that risk feel higher. It just feels like there's weight to her story that she's actually important to the larger narrative. And then all of this issue is ending with this other version of a Wolverine Sentinel and like... I don't care. <laughs> I like was like, okay, so we have an even we already have one version of a Wolverine Sentinel. Now we're gonna have another. I think this is a similar it's it's a robot sentinel, it's just wearing a different uniform. Yeah. Like enough Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would agree. I mean, it is a really good point, the the mention of the fact that we allowed so many Wolverine carcasses to be Mind and mind by Orcus, like, and we just left them there and with no care for what they were going to do with them. But we already know that Wolverine Sentinels exist, and I just that last little bit, I was like, really? Yeah. Well, you know, I think it'd be, I think it's a fun battle. You're getting a Wolverine versus Iron Man without having to assassinate the character relationship between Logan and Tony. Mm -hmm. Our our next. Invincible Iron Man versus the Adamantium Claws of Orcus and Mark 72 online. Mm. The I have presumed that the title of this title, The Invincible Iron Man, is in reference to the end result of a Mysterium-based Iron Man suit, mm. right? Because of the, being this invincible metal, that is what we're getting the with one, the Mark 72. Yeah, that makes sense. What do you think? Overall... I'm not hating the development of the relationship between Tony and Emma because for me, now it makes sense. I think the issue overall was not my favorite, but I think it was important and needed to move the story along. It's really nice to see how Forge and Riri connected and to be able to accept her to be able to accept his guidance and tutelage. And I really like that Firestar is tying in because I feel like Jean put her there as a resource and it takes everything to a higher stake of what's going on for her. And it makes the reading of her story exciting for me. I obviously don't care for more Wolverine, but that is what it is. <laughs> it's, it's also interesting to go off that because Tony had essentially made that outreach to Firestar as you're on the team as a, a part of the Avengers. Right, too. So right. she's almost like this double, triple contact right. for people. Right. And like I said, I think that, so much of this issue was like a, we need these points to move the story forward. And and the fact that we really only got Tony and Emma, who seem to be the headliners of the title in the very beginning, and the majority of the story was about Forge and Riri and the creation of these ships. Like I said, that's an important story point to move forward. So I think that that was great, but it didn't have, it wasn't about Emma. So it wasn't my favorite. <laughs> That's why I'm here, and it's not here. I'm here for Emma. Yeah. Uh, That's funny. I I love this book. I just love this book. Yeah, it's really good. And I'm uncomfortable with how much I love this book. (laughs) It's tight in focus, moving quickly in narrative. These ships have been talked about for a while, and here we're not only getting them built, but have cross-team character connection with excellent reads on who they are Mm. and a romance. Jerry's newsletter was about how in 2024 we're doing romance comics. Which, I mean, yeah, kind of. Yeah. I love Andrea DeVito's art and, again, wonder where they're going to be a regular series artist. Mm. This was uh, this was good. Yeah. You know, I, I'm glad with where it fell in the poll because I agree. Yeah, I agree too. 
Bruiser 33, cheers. Yes, it's official. Emma and Anthony are for real. Steamy. <laughs> yeah. It, it was steamy. It was. It was. It was steamy. Edward III hopes Alicia has come around to Tony and Emma by now, which she's on record a couple weeks ago. Yeah. She's here. She's come around because they actually fell in love. There's actual development. They actually had a chance to get to know each other. Yes. Fabio Ciccone wonders, how come Iron Man is consistently being one of the best X-Men books every month? Because Jerry's writing it. Because Jerry's writing it. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like that's what it is. Yeah. It's, and, and it's not too large a cast where you lose individual character story because too big of a cast you can't really you know the first year or so of x-men when you had eight or so members on the team and you could only really get here's a nugget of character development for this one because it's their issue this is these two main characters with three or so side side characters Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's good because it's a really good balance of character development and relationship while also this book I feel of all of the Fall of X books has had the most connection. consistent connection to the yeah. fight with Orcus and has had has made the most progress, right? Like we went from this book starting to Emma being disguised as Hazel and we're going to like trip trick Phalong and do all of this. We we've got the Hellfire Club and the kingpin tie-in now we're building these uh, this army we're connected to the underground x-men team like this book feels like these two are the central sort of linchpins to the non-mutant people helping and the mutant teams and sort of they're like leading the charge even though they're mm. not on those teams specifically Vitorino sighs look okay fine Emma can do what she wants. Count your blessings, Stark. I'm choosing to believe she's just having some fun. Moreover, (laughs) Firestar continues to make the boldest moves. Moira's better safe than sorry line reminds me of her finally safe line from last Mm -hmm. week. Right? Yeah. I think we have her official character motivation, fear of dying. Right. And that's right. That's been which is crazy to think. How long have you lived? You have this hyped up fear. You know, everybody else, you get 100 years, 100 years. You've had a thousand years. Right, but okay. What happens when w- it ends? Wolf. You've had more. Yeah, so sure, many. Yeah. So first of all. A lot of feelings. Let, whoa. Okay. <laughs> so fear of dying, that's real. That's okay. real. Everybody, yes. everybody has that. We can all relate, right? I think mm. we can in some little way or at least we've thought about it in, in, you know, in our lifetime. And then the other thing is like, yes, yes, she's had so much time. But when you've had so much time, you've had so much more time to think about what happens when you don't have any more time. Sure. And you've tasted what it's like to be immortal. So you don't want to give that up. And now she's at the point where she knows that, like, her body is gone. So her mutant power is gone. Like, she lost her mutant power. She lost her ability to regenerate in that way. So now she's hanging on to this robot AI version of herself. And it just, it heightens her fear because she's lost some of her ability to live forever. Yeah. Warland's here for the development of these two's relationship, having evolved to a point that even if it ends, it wouldn't be surface level, not standing Mm -hmm. one another type of relationship, which they've always had, right? Mm. So they've connected as people, which I think is a great point. It's in display with how Emma has gone from, you won't touch me, to, hey, we can, we can... (laughs) 
You touch me. <laughs> it's cool if you touch right. me. Because and and he points out like she has played with people's minds to make them think that things are happening mm-hmm. when they're not in the Hellfire Club in movies. Right, like, right, right. That is a part of her power. He goes on to say about how the rest of the issue is good despite being an Iron Man issue without an Iron Man, which I don't know. I'd argue that Riri fills that mm-hmm. void with her status as kind of the next generation Iron Man right, character. Right. I think that that's also included in the title, right? The Invincible Iron Man is not just about Tony Stark. It's about the idea of Iron Man and the mantle of Iron Man. Yeah. Because we've got Rhodey and and what he does. We Now we have Riri. We have these other, like, Tony's struggling with the idea of, like, am I Tony Stark or am I Iron Man? And, like, it kind of also sets up this idea that, like, would Tony retire by the end of this and, like, not be? Like, does he create that AI Tony Stark that becomes iron man and i know there's like back and forth like warline and i were talking about like is this actually ai like at what point blah, blah, blah. yeah yeah all that aside right. i think that it it kind of branches out to the idea of like what is iron man what mm-hmm. does iron man stand for and does it have to be just that tony is iron man or can this symbol be taken on in other entities which i think riri and Rhodey are proven are part of that storyline yeah for sure adriel ranger liked how in iron man it was an issue of the inventors and forgers coming together Mm -hmm. so you have these even you have the avengers forgers of iron man and riri Mm -hmm. you have the mutant forger of forge and you Mm -hmm. have the dwarven forgers i think that that was super cool And, and to see how they approach it and to see how they work or don't work well together right right yeah on to our final issue, our book of the week, and that cover. X-Men 30. All of these creations of the high evolutionary. Who this this issue made me feel some things. Oh. I, I recognize that it did not strike you emotionally as much as it did I, for me. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it. Right. I I just just from your reaction after reading it and your reaction now as I said that, it feels as though like I was hurt and you were like, okay, yeah, that happened. <laughs> That's a thing. That's a thing. It's on page now. And I have a very specific comment about that that I will get to later. Great. I do want to point out the Dead X-Men variant. So the trading card variant had the Dead X-Men on the cover. Yes. And on the back, and dun, I will dun, say, dun. bit of a spoiler for the future. On the back, it says extra fact. And it tells us that the Dead X-Men have been resurrected in the white hot room because of resurrections being back online there mm-hmm. and then will be sent on this mission which i thought was a really interesting confirmation of this is how we get our dead x-men back I right we're like a week or two away from the title actually premiering right and i thought that was an interesting tidbit to tease you yeah. a bit further some little facts they're giving out there on those playing cards here we go page turn noise X-Men Part 2. Another fiery love scene as Scott has a dream about Jean. Yeah. <laughs> no, what? Stop it. I wrote his fiery wet dream. And oh, then I was no. like, you know, we have this thing in Rhode Island called water fire where it's fire on the water. And it's just like, eh, it made me think of that. <laughs> oh, no. Scott is having a dream where he is in conversation with with Jean about everything that's happening and she is becoming the fire mm. becoming essentially saying it's all good I'm coming yeah for you for <laughs> <laughs> my love yeah and then he, he wakes up in counseling 
He wakes up in counseling with this therapist and just calls it like it is. I'm assuming we're in Paris because this sham trial needs to happen outside of the U.S. I'm assuming we're in Paris because I can hear it in the accents of mm-hmm. the guards, which just tells you, hey, I'm Cyclops. I'm, I'm tactical, aware of right? everything. I'm taking it all in. I wrote it on notes and I put those notes in my pouches. Mm-hmm. I don't have pouches. I have boot flaps and I'm putting them in my boot flaps. And I like that he calls out to the idea of like, I guess I'm in my original costume because yeah. you think that it's the most recognized Tested and it'll, well. it'll be, you know, this is all this is all a show. This is all for the cameras. This is sure. all for the people. And what I love about this scene with him in, in the doctor and then Stasis in the doctor afterwards is that we all know that Orcus is corrupt. Sure. But I love seeing the moment. Like, I love seeing Stasis threaten this doctor and say, if you don't make the outcome, like, I don't care what you actually found out. I don't care that you think that Cyclops isn't fit here. for trial. Yeah. You're here to say that he is. And if you don't say that, the little mutant in your family is going to be no more. And, like, to see that threat... I would have liked to see that scene when Steve-O got off. Sure. Like, I just want to see them pulling the strings because it's so much more interesting than just knowing that they're Let pulling the strings. Let the bad guys be bad. Right? Like, yeah. that that was a very satisfying moment for me I would to agree. Read. Yeah. Which takes us to our title page. The price of keeping a dream alive. Who says romance is dead, baby? Jerry Duggan's bringing it back. There's no baby in the end of that, just so we all know. By Jerry Duggan. Art by Phil Noto. Colors by Phil Noto. Letters Clayton Coles. VCs Clayton Coles. Joshua Cassara and Marta Gracia on that amazing cover. Mm-hmm. The Lover's Tarot card. The number of people. So Marvel posted this image with what looks like the back of a tarot card deck. Yeah, image. where's the rest? That's what everybody wants to know. Like, you can't put this out and then. Give me the rest, Marvel. So there is uh, someone online that has created an X-Men-specific mm-hmm. tarot card them, deck. Yeah. yeah, we follow them, and they're great. But I think everybody was like, hey, you, you're teasing us. You right. have done, especially X-Men has done a right. lot with tarot card-related imagery. There's so much. The especially Five of Cups with the Resurrection Magneto. Now that I'm getting into tarot cards, like the Tower is sure. one. And I'm sure, like, I actually wanted to go back and look through because those three original cards in... Um, House and Powers with like the like girl between foot, two, two worlds, worlds yeah. the tower, and then the one with the strong man. Yeah, and that had Cardinal on it. Um, Cardinal was of the dying religion. I think it might have had Cardinal on it, and it was, or or there were those three, and Moira saw Charles and and called him the strong man. Yeah. So there. So I need to do a little bit more investigating, but yeah, let's get that deck. Let's get that deck. But before, let's recap the vault. In Did case you know you, they were in the vault? I, I forgot for somehow. For so many years and they were in love? They were in I, I So for some reason, I remembered them going into the vault. But <laughs> I think that there was like a two-issue epic story that was one of my favorite two issues of Hickman's run where it explored inside the vault. And then we've made reference to the fact that they were in the vault several times. But in case you missed all of that, here's a page just for you. And then in case you weren't sure that there were other people outside of Mutantdom helping, we also have, you know, Gold Goblin and Spider-Man here. Yeah. Which as I'm, part of the gang. As a reader of Amazing Spider-Man, I like this. I'm also curious continuity-wise when this happens because mm. there's been some developments with Norman. Uh-oh. I don't enjoy the fact that we have no mention of the last page reveal from the previous issue throughout this issue. Yeah. There's no... Like, this is how or why this happened, especially with Kamala being a character 
that is in both of those. Which makes me think that this issue had to have happened before Kamala, like, went off to Dooms, right? Yeah. Wise, like, it's a Trying little to bit place it, right. weird of, of how we place it. But we've, we got that recap about the vault. Now we're getting this recap about the high evolutionary because what we need is some sort of tool that's going to disseminate our cure to so stop the kill right. switch of the medicines which i think is important because we for so long had this knowledge that orcus could just flip a switch and we're going to kill 10 humans and we're going to make 10 humans go cray cray every single time we find a mutant and they posed that threat but they haven't followed through on sure. it but it's nice to know that We've secretly been working against that or working to combat that in some way. And so we need to expel our neutralizing medicine in some way. And how can we do that? But with the tool that the high evolutionary wanted to use as a weapon. So let's just sink and talon go. Right. I do like the the nod to Tony suiting up to meet Firestar. So a tie into the Mm -hmm. Iron Man issue of what he's doing there. Yes. Spider-Man mentioning Sauron's dream. Oh, my God. Make everybody dinosaurs. Make everyone dinosaurs, which is a classic panel. I, I love the fact that they're referencing it here. It, it's a joke. It's pure joke. It's right. pure joy. And how this reminds Sink that the High Evolutionary's gift from before to sterilize all of humanity, slowly wiping them out, could be adapted here in a way to, and I'm not sure how, but could be the technology that they need to eliminate what's inside of them as this kill switch. Well, I think that essentially the tool that the high evolutionary was going to use is like a similar to i think something like the children of the vault like it kind of goes out into the atmosphere and you absorb it and you don't know that you're absorbing it and so that's what they need to do with this antidote and even if you don't need the antidote it's not going to harm you if you ingest it so this is the only way to kind of like get it out there it's like an antidote bomb kind of that's anyway how i interpret it but i don't know if that's real for sure we do get the the visual of Tony and Firestar meeting, talking about this trap in Australia that was teased in Iron Man. The mm-hmm. fact that she Firestar is leaking information to Orcus about all of these ships going to Australia as this way of minimizing casualties, and because it's it's wide open vast mm-hmm. and, and potentially a fight could occur different from like the populated New York City streets where most Marvel fights tend to break out. Also gave a lot of flashbacks to the X-Men in their classic Outback era Mm. for me personally because it's a favorite time. Yeah, and I think that I like the nod of like, okay, Firestar, like do this and then get out. Like people keep telling her. It's time. It's time to go. Like, you need to get out. You need to get out of there. And I think she Playing just. Playing it too, too close. Yeah. She just feels like so much weight of responsibility because Jean gave her this task that she's like, this is. And she knows so many things about what Orcus is going to do that I think there's a part of her that feels like if I leave now, like. I could do so much more. And there's been so many times when she's been willing to just die for for this cause that I think that there's a part of her that's just like, if I just stay here until they kill me, I could save so many more people than I could if I leave. Right. And that's an interesting character development for her. And I'm really intrigued to see like where it goes and where it takes her. Even the conversation that she has with Phelong later on in the issue. Right. Like, no, there's good people there. You're just going to wipe them all out. Right. 
Okay, here's the thing. Counter Earth. Okay, I know Sink and Talon are baddies, okay? And, but if the last time that the High Evolutionary came to Earth with just a few of his little minions, the only way they could get him to leave, like the only way they could beat him was to give him some of Sink's blood, why do the two of them think they can go by themselves to his territory and just take what they need and get out with no problem. Well, because they've recruited allies like Tesselephant. No, but that's only once they get there. Sure. Well, that's the hubris of the hero, right? You know, you have to believe you can do it so that you can potentially do it. Also, they didn't have Talon. They had Wolverine. Oh, that's please. Different. different. Here in the base, the ship has been found. The biobomb has been secured. And then Luminos... Sorry, you waited too long and you lost your dominance of Earth, which is not what they wanted ever. No. Reject that. And we weren't trying for that. Thanks, though. Time to fight. Luminos kind of sets out the, well, if you want it, you can fight me and stands up and sinks like, okay. <laughs> Boom. Taken out immediately. Karma's gift to show you terrible things of what your quote unquote father does to you. The high evolutionary is like, those were my daughter's terms, not yeah, that mine. That was not the wager. She does not control the biobomb. Fight me. Yeah, fight me. And if you fight me, you know, then you can take it. And we get this quick, like, and the battle was quick. And then we fight. The fight. Yeah. The claw time, as she calls it. Both of them popping their claws and ready to battle. Talon with her metal sink, matching it with the bone claws in his hands. Cut to Phalong and Firestar having a heart to heart. Updating Phalong on the Outback approach. Every single sentinel will be waiting for them. And Firestar, you're special. You're not like them. Yeah. We're saving you because you thought about it first. Back in our underground base. Completely fine. Nothing is destroyed. Everything's good. Here's here's the biobomb, Tony. I'm going to go have a little conversation with Talon. But wait. Miss Marvel asking, who are you talking who to? Who are you talking to? With the first hit in your stomach of something is happening something is off and Everett goes to his room where Talon asks what's happening and we find why out why don't I remember what happened right. on counter earth how did we get out of there we find out that she was killed by the high evolution almost entirely too easily stabbed right. in the throat and then incinerated well he manipulated her to stab herself in the heart and the throat yep and then eliminated incinerated as sink is then teleported back to earth and he reveals that he pulled her essence into his mind acting like a living cerebro and this cracked mirror shot <laughs> of the two of them is kind of like i i love it i think it's so like that was a I was not expecting that. No, I wasn't I expecting was it either. Really cool twist. Really interesting. I'm excited to see how they play with this further. You're but I smiling. will. I'm just laughing because I know like Justin was sitting next to me when I finished the issue. And I just said, well, I guess that means Talon's not making it out of the fall of X. And yeah. I just had like no, no feelings about the situation <laughs> at all. Yeah, sure. <laughs> next is Night of the Nimrod and the Passenger as our Krakoan. What do you think about this? Ooh, this was a good issue. I think really good steps forward in the plot, like Firestar's progression and addressing how they're going to combat the ultimatum that was given by Orcus at the gala. Those are important things. And we really haven't seen much of that up until now. So 
it's nice to know that they've been figuring out ways to address that underground the whole time. I'm still really curious about the blood in the end of the last issue and when that will be addressed, but maybe it has to do with the Nimrod story that's being teased for the next issue. Unsure how I feel about the whole Sink and Talon thing. I don't know if I'm personally invested enough in the two of them to care as much as I should or as I think other people do because I know that people are really into their relationship, but I'm wondering like how does Talon then move forward from this and does she need to? Sure. You know? I don't know that she needs to, right? I think that that's part of the interesting conversation. Yeah. And I think that like... I think the story of Sink and Talon is beautiful. They're just not, they're not like my characters. So like, though I will be sad if one or both of them dies, I'm not going to be that sad about it. Like, sure. Well, you know. I would be if Sink dies just because I feel like he's had a really right. great comeback. And I don't know that they would kill him in this right. way because of the investment that they put into him as the character. I think the reveal of Talon still existing in the vault and having, you know, th- that was a cool development i have less attachment to her as a character especially mm-hmm. with how many wolverines that we have right right, she, right. you know interesting yeah. concept it but... feels like it's setting up to say goodbye to talent yes which i'm okay with but I... I will feel sad for sink and i would be devastated in some sense if if sink was not to make it out of the fall of x because yeah. he has come so far as a character yeah i'm sad about it like that reveal felt really sad but also really interesting because Mm -hmm. i wasn't expecting it that was a good twist i like this issue i do want to point out that how other than this plot reveal for talon we've continued to learn or really develop nothing about her and about sync which feels sad across these issues especially with them being the focal leaders of this team you know they, they feel kind of like set pieces parading their vault trauma around until it eventually gets undone Mm. even this as a payoff felt a bit lackluster 27 issues later it felt like you just wanted to acknowledge that the high evolutionary has the blood did something even though we don't even actually get an idea what he's done with the blood we don't actually know what happened in the base with logan kate and kamala when they came back from liberia there's no indication on timing but two of the three aren't here the ending was a surprise. I didn't expect it, and I felt for the characters. But all the other stuff I just said gave me a conflict of feeling. Yeah, and I think the thing that uh, makes me feel more secure in the story and not feel so worried, like I did go, oh, what? We didn't get any information on the bloody base. Sure. But I feel like because I enjoy and connect with Jerry as a writer and I know I've, we've been watching him for so long like play with all of these different story pieces and plot threads that though I don't fully understand the timing of it all now I feel like I will by the end and so I'm trusting that a little yeah, bit yeah, more yeah, yeah. and that's just to say that like when I don't know a writer as well or I don't generally enjoy their stories as much, sometimes I don't give them as much faith as maybe I should, yeah, okay. that they'll work it out at the end. And so I get really questioning and like we'll antsy. We'll get there, we'll get there. But like right now I'm like, okay, I feel like, 
we'll get there. He'll tell us. We he's he's got a plan. Just like he said he was gonna tell me what happens with Kate and the Gates, right? Taps like foot checks watch what time are we getting that info? We'll know what that means, right, Jerry? Yes, yes, please. <laughs> Shout out to the Gene Queens who are actually based in the Australian Outback yes. exclamation point. Can't see any X Men ships just yet, but then again, the ship we care about is Angelica and Exodus, which Ooh. I thought was a wild pairing yeah. that I'm here for. Yeah, yeah all right, not? cool. That was, that was really funny. And and we'll, we'll keep an eye on everything that's mm-hmm. happening in Australia because that's terrifying. Yeah, it is interesting to, to think about this idea that the X-Men are going to be in another place and that we are setting up bases in other areas. Like to even mention that... There's going to be some kind of outpost in Australia yeah. says like, are we going to go to the outback after this? Are we going to be like, are we going to have a group in the Savage Land, a group in the outback, a well, group the, at the mansion? The idea that Kieran was talking about this in a newsletter recently, the idea that the Krakoan era has kind of been a reinvestment in continuity. Mm-hmm. The outback is a very important place mm-hmm. for the X-Men's continuity. And I think that that's a cool tie to that. Even just as a mention. Right. Brings up a lot of feelings. Eagle's water boy. Oh my God. Talon died. Wait, she's still alive. Now she's in Sink's head. I'm confused. And and that was <laughs> a confusing end, right? So her mental essence, the backup, the data, the personality. So in the way that this has happened a couple times in comics where someone's consciousness has gone into either another body completely mm-hmm. or has been split into several bodies mm. and then reconfigured later on. Uh, the fact that Sync now has a completely other person's essence inside him is what we're grappling with. What's interesting, okay, a couple things that are interesting about this idea. One, the idea that every time Sync uses the powers of someone who's not near him, ages him and causes a lot of detriment to his body. miles on it. The fact that Gene is dead or is in the white hot room and that he had to sync with her and from like the memory of her and now is also continuously using that power in order to keep Talon alive, I feel like is going to be detrimental to him in some way. But the other thing that I'm sort of like choosing to suspend my disbelief about is that in the moment of Talon dying and being disintegrated and him being like also, you know, uh, held down by the high evolutionary in that moment, he really had to act quickly yeah. to like get her in gut, his consciousness. Moment, so that, that was a little bit like, whoa, he really did that. But I'm choosing to believe that he did. But I do think that he's essentially having to use Jean's power 24 seven now sure. to keep her there right? or some, te- um, you know, telepathic power. Oh, so now, now you're making me feel like he's going to die too. I don't know, but I'm just saying it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. he, he's got to use that, to keep that it there. particular right. power all the time you can't to keep just, her there. You can't just if, use it to start and then just say, yeah, now because otherwise, how does brain, she buddy. live inside his brain? So it's that's a little concerning. Science fiction. <laughs> Darren is just a teacher said that that X-Men reveal hurt, and it did. It hurt me. <laughs> Looking for confirmation from Alicia. It didn't hurt me. I'm oh, so sorry. Oh, she's the robot today. It's me. I have no feelings. Frederick Ellis Frazier is sad for Talon. Her consciousness within sync is an interesting twist. High evolutionary can sod off. And I think that agreed on high evolutionary, agreed mm-hmm. on the twist, and oh man, agreed on the sadness. <laughs> 
Adriel Ranger really felt it when Talon died again. I was a little upset. I had to reread to confirm it was true. And honestly, I felt the same way. I did flip back to go, wait, what? Because it happened so quickly in those couple of pages. And I think that it was it was a little jarring when the exchange was kind of brushed over initially. And then you get that page and a half or so of reveal of what actually happened in that battle. But I love it because oh, yeah. you're Talon in that moment. Yeah. You're seeing the moments of the battle you remember and then all of a sudden we're why back. Why don't I and remember like, anything? Why, what happened during this fight? Yeah. Why didn't I, why, why don't we get to know any of that? Because we're living that moment through the perspective of Talon. Rufy O'Connor feels like Talon has been set up to be the traitor previously. Ooh. And now with her mind in Sink's body, mind explosion, which is something I wasn't thinking of at first. You know, everybody, when the vaults reveal mm. uh, Forge finding her there and not expecting to find her there, what were they doing all those years yeah. with her? Yeah, you were super suspicious of her. Uh, for a while. And yeah. I just kind of like let that wash because of how happy my boy was. <laughs> but, okay, what else is there? Yeah, that is also a dangerous perspective. Yeah. JP Didomasso wonders if we think we'll see Talon return or will she stay with Sink? I don't know. I don't know if we'll actually see her return. I feel like this is a light way of saying we're yeah. about to do some hand waving and I don't even know if Sink is going to. I don't. Yeah, I just don't think that it's going to be one or the other in that option. And I think that Sink's ability to hold on to her is going to be a factor. And we might even see her have to tell him it's okay to let her go, Yeah, you know, which is also going to be a heartbreaking moment. But I don't think he's going to be able to sustain keeping the two of them no. alive for a very long time. I don't either. That's that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot of energy. Vaderino makes it clear. In this house, we stand to Seliphant. <laughs> yes. Love it. Here for it, Michael. I had to reread this a few times to make sure I understood what happened, which again, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Wolverines sure do die a lot easier these days, and at least temporarily. This is a neat direction to go with both characters, and I hope they do even more to make Talon truly unique and get more development. Yes, and I do think it's a good point. Like, he needed to disintegrate her or she would not have died. Right. Because she is a Wolverine. Right. So... so uh, the high evolutionary. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Mike loves Mariah Carey had so many thoughts and questions. His words... Shout out to the saturated colors on the cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Cyclops with his psychotic breakdown, white room, fiery sex realness. Yeah, that was that was true. Mm-hmm. Is the lovers panel the first time they gave us a title-ish page, like a classic title page? And I do think, oh yeah, especially right to to have this be the the name, not really the the express name of the issue, but kind of a thematic label. Yeah. And it's just a beautiful. Also interesting how on this page we see Talon tie like hooked up to the machine, and then we see Sink using Karma's powers, yeah, yeah. which is what he does in the even just the gate and what feels like the treehouse mm-hmm. with Gene and being the Phoenix, the finer Gene Phoenix being, yeah. yeah, connected to them, which means like maybe does somehow Gene's Phoenix energy help save her? I don't know, or yeah. is that because? sync can connect with gene or like how does she play a role in this being on this card with the two of them it's interesting 
How many mutants can sink store like Cerebro? This isn't going to be good. I think we're going to lose her. I just don't see how not. Put her in a Wolverine Orcus clone, which mm. I thought was an interesting That twist. is interesting. That's one thing I was thinking was like at some point, Sink's going to tell them that he has talent inside and then someone's going to like Tony's going to create some version, some, some way to, you know, a body for her to be in. Yeah. And then she's going to be like robot talon the same way moira's robot moira or something right right that would be a weird twist i do like the the care that tony reaches out to sync with and to say like you're all right bud like you look like you've been through it it's just like that's such an interesting idea but also thinking about the way that the fall of x is progressing and knowing that we're getting to the end of krakoa like that just doesn't seem like giving her another body to live in in this krakoan age technology like doesn't feel like it's gonna happen like i'm yeah. s- i'm so sorry to say it but i think they're just trying to ease you into the fact that talent is going to go by laura forever fake tortoise saying that duggan books have nice ideas but it all feels too rushed and i think that this ties to a lot of the feedback of things being rushed in general in the fall mm. of x fall of the house of x uh but i don't know it it, it goes back and forth the, the idea of rushed is a big conversation topic at the beginning in dawn of x hickman even responded they said that they took things too slowly mm. that they kind of held back on the goods that they started things wild with the breakneck speed of Hoxpox and then just kind of played in that sandbox for a little while. Mm. Is this trying to make sure that that doesn't happen? Kind of keep you by the edge of your seat to what's going to happen next? Moving fast paced to resolve so many different plot threads? Interesting. Yeah, I think obviously everyone's feelings on, you know, their interpretation of the story is valid and their feelings on the pacing is valid. But I think if you think about the fall of X in general as like, when did the fall really start? Like November, October, November, I guess, or the gala, right? Mm, So like in thinking about it like that, like it's like months long. There's just so much material that needs to be happening and also that rushed feeling, I think, helps with the chaoticness of being in the middle of a war. Sure. So it's it's got a lot of factors, though, because obviously it's like that's the juiciest part of the story is the the climax and the, the battle and the what's going to happen next. And so you want to live in that for a really long time. So I can understand not wanting that to feel like it goes by too quickly. Hmm. Yeah. Edward III said the ending was a huge shock, yet after seeing another comment, I wonder, does it seem like Talon may have been fridged to push Sink's arc forward? And he's not the only one that kind of brings up this fridging conversation. Future Dogwalker also wonders the same. Would we consider what happened to Talon a fridging? I'm super bummed. I feel like they really kept Talon and Wolverine separate instead of getting messy and figuring out the double clone situation. Mm. And so this idea of fridging has come up in recent conversations, especially with Kayla, Colossus's girlfriend, Mm -hmm. the idea of killing a female character to progress a male character's story, just as that motivation. And I think that's interesting because even at the end of this, even the breaking mental energy Mm -hmm. of Sync that's going to have a ramification on him living with yes. the essence of his lover in his mind and the trauma of losing her again that's going to impact him i don't know it it, it see, i would potentially consider this a fridging but at the same time you are wrestling with a character that didn't really have its own unique identity outside mm. of being a future shade of a character that we do have as part yeah. of so it's difficult but yes 
Yeah, yeah. I will say that I see that perspective, but I I don't know what it for whatever it's worth from the female perspective. I don't feel like this was I wouldn't put gender as the motivating factor in this particular situation. But even even outside of gender, like just the idea of of uh, stunting one character in order for another character to succeed or another character to grow. It is an interesting concept because sometimes for a character to grow, they need to suffer loss. And so you need to take someone that they care deeply about and put a stop to their life in order to give that character space to grow. But And it's especially interesting sticky. just with the fact that Talon isn't really right, her own character. Right. Which... She's she and Laura are of the same I mean, we we yeah. resurrected Laura because we thought that she died in the vault, right? Yeah. So Bruiser thirty three bringing up the scene with Luminos seems pointless. She just shows up with her father just to get defeated in one panel. Yeah, they they but I think that that also gives you the like because they defeated her so quick no problem it gives you that moment of belief when you get back to say oh they easily defeated the high evolutionary no problem because they're so strong so it almost was like yes i agree it was very quick and like what the heck but i think it was there as like a distraction or red herring to say look how good they fight right It, it was basically to say power leveling right as uh, Mike Loves Mariah Carey had pointed out, it took a full X-Men team and a full Avengers team to take down the High Evolutionary right. previously. You guys are two people. Even what you were saying right, earlier, right. how do you do think this was going to go? Right, right. Did you think both of you were going to come back? Right. Warline saying that we finally know why Scott kept hallucinating about Gene in Fatox. He wasn't. You know, it's, it mm-hmm. is this dream connection that she seems to have. You know, we were talking about the rapport previously. Mm-hmm. Why is Norman Osborn here of all people? How they defeated Luminos was stupid, but honestly, I'll make it pass because it was such a good issue. Otherwise, uh, this idea of are we going to merge the two Lauras or are we going to get rid of Talon? Right? I, I, I do not m- want to merge them. Merging felt messy, especially for the two of them. You know, they, they are deriv- derivatives of the same source. But they're but they such had, different people. Right. They've had so much different experience. I don't know. This idea of could you make them one or could you make them the other? I wouldn't merge them. No, I this think I'd rather always... see see Talon get like you know this emotional send off sure. than to just get rid of one or the other. But I don't, I don't think they should be merged. Right. I, I feel like this is more interesting than to have just had her die in this issue. Right. And I think that you know the answer was oh you're not going to get rid of Laura Kinney Wolverine. No. No, your physical reaction to that sentiment. Do not you dare. Yeah. <laughs> your grammatical reaction to that hiss. sentence. Boo. Boo hiss. <laughs> ah, that's it. That's X-Men. It was great. It was that a great, was great week. That was solid all around. What's coming at us this coming week? We've got two issues. Ooh. X-Force, number 48. Dun, dun, dun. Target Beast, exclamation point, with God, Beast on the cover. Get that buffoon away from me. I've seen some preview pages. And? And? Resurrection of Magneto, number one. I've also seen some preview pages. Ooh. The, the sex men continues. <laughs> sex men continue. I'm so intrigued by that statement, but I want to know nothing. All right, Say great, nothing. great, great, great. Cool. Say nothing. Uh, I mean, God's number four comes out, but that's for me. I stopped reading Superior Spider-Man. 
I'll read it on Marvel Unlimited. Oh, goodness gravy. I'm getting, I'm getting cutthroat. You know, the... It's, yeah, there's a lot. There's a, a lot, lot to read. I'll say this, too. I was like a little side note in a teaser and to just keep you all, you know, in the loop of the saga of me reading Inferno. I'm halfway through. I am reading it. I'm a little disappointed in it as far as it not being what I expected it to be and not being quite as exciting as I thought. But I am doing it slowly but surely. It is... One of the things I am also reading in 2024, and mm-hmm. I am doing it. Okay? Okay, everyone? I am doing it. OG Good. Inferno. OG Inferno. <laughs> uh, until next time, old friend. Charles. I'll literally be back next time. Magneto. <laughs> <laughs>